I was almost too late. Almost too late. But thank God it was not too late. I wanted to live for something. Since I was first born, since the earliest I can remember, I always wanted to live for something, to have a cause worth living for, worth dying for. I wanted something to believe in. I had good parents. They taught me from the Torah, the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. I learned who my fathers were. My father, Abraham. My father, Isaac. Father, Jacob. Yes, they taught me of the great promises of the scriptures, of the Messiah, who is to come bringing deliverance for me and for my people. And I thought of it every day when I would see those Roman soldiers. I saw one grab my father and force him, throwing a load on his back, forcing him to walk a mile. And oh, the hatred that welled up in my heart. Oh, I longed to be free. I longed to see the Messiah to come and deliver us from this oppression, to raise Israel up again to the greatness of the nation that we were always destined to be. And so one day, I heard of this itinerant rabbi. I heard he was from Galilee. His name was simply Jesus. Jesus. Jehovah saves. Jesus of Nazareth. And as I heard of him, I went to hear him. And like so many in Israel, my heart was stirred as I heard him teach of the kingdom of God. I remember some of the stories he told. One was about a man who discovered, happened upon this treasure buried in a field. And as he, as he found this treasure, he realized what a treasure he had found. He went and sold everything he had and bought that field. Another story was almost like it. The story of a man who had found the pearl worth more than any other pearl in the world, the pearl of great price, who went and sold all that he had to buy that pearl. And the thoughts, the memories came back to me of how I'd always wanted to live for something. And if this is what the kingdom of heaven was like, this is what I wanted to live for. Wow, with treasure like this, I definitely wanted to be part of this kind of a kingdom. One day, not long after this, Jesus was teaching and he asked his disciples to feed the great crowd, the great multitude of people that had gathered the only problem, there was no food. What were we to eat? They found a little boy's lunch, five loaves and two small fishes, brought them to Jesus, and, I, and as Jesus blessed the bread and started to break it, at least I thought, at least Jesus, the master, will be able to eat. But as he broke it, he gave it to his disciples, and they, they started passing it out. One of the disciples brought a basket right in front of me, and I took all I could, all I could eat. And everyone else did too. And when they took up their leftovers, there were 12 baskets left over. Wow. Wow, surely, surely this man must be our king. In fact, we tried to make him king there that day. Surely this is going to be the beginning 
of the great era of the Messiah with a king like this. I mean, he could deliver us from the Romans. He could feed great armies of people. He can heal the sick. He can inspire the crowd. We would be undefeatable. The Romans wouldn't stand a chance. I couldn't believe it. Jesus stopped their efforts. He wouldn't let us make him king. Instead, he sent us home, and he slipped out of our reach. The next day, he was, he was saying so many strange things. Instead of trying to raise up an army, he started talking about himself as the bread of life. He spoke about how those who would follow him would eat his flesh and would drink his blood. And he said so many things that were so, so hard to understand. I was so confused. I went to visit my local synagogue. My most loved teacher, Malachi, was there. He knew my parents before I was even born. I poured out my heart to Malachi. I told him of my search for meaning in life, how my time with Jesus had given me hope, had given me purpose, hope for the future. But I'm so confused, I said. I don't understand. He's not proclaiming himself as king. He's not coming out and saying that, trying to deliver us from the Romans. But I, I don't know. Am I being deceived? Oh, my son, said Malachi. Oh, my son, Jesus is the greatest imposter of our time. You, you can't believe what he's telling you. Did you hear what he said when he first started his ministry? He went to the temple, the great temple in Jerusalem, and said, destroy this temple and I'll build it in three days. How could a man like that be the Messiah? In fact, if you continue following him, I'm going to have you thrown out of the synagogue. Oh, I just couldn't believe that this Jesus would be the Messiah. As it says in John 6, verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. I was back to square one. I was searching for meaning in my life. It wasn't long before a friend came to me. He told me we'd found what we were looking for. He was a leader, a man who lived for our cause. He, like us, wanted nothing more than to see Israel rise to world greatness. Funny enough, his name was also Jesus. But this Jesus was everything that the Jesus of Nazareth wasn't. The other Jesus was gentle. This man was tough. The other Jesus was, was peaceful and devoted. This Jesus, he was fun to be around. Exciting. He didn't just talk about things. I mean, this Jesus was a man of action. We followed him. We believed in him. We imitated him. It was exciting to be part of something so big and so grand, the beginning of a new movement, a revolution that would change our status forever as a nation. It was fun living like we were kings. Respect for authority, what's that? If they only knew soon enough, we would be the heads of state in the new kingdom of Israel. And we went along living for a while like we were kings. And yeah, we supported ourselves by praying off of those we saw as our enemies. I mean, after all, they were the enemy. What did it matter if we stole a little from them? But all too soon, our wicked lifestyle caught up with us. One night, we were all arrested, including our leader, and thrown in jail. All of us, including Jesus. We tried to escape, but there was no avail. What a dreadful fate we knew 
awaited us. Day after day, we waited and, and we stewed and we raged at the guards and anyone who would come near. I mean, I tell you, if I could have chewed through those iron bars with my teeth, I think I would have just to break free. One morning, early, early in the morning, we heard a mob coming into the courthouse. We heard the shouts and the cries, crucify him, crucify him. What could they be talking about? Who could they be so angry against? I mean, even our leader, Jesus, hadn't raised such a mob at his trial. Moments later, the guards came in, pulled Jesus out of the cell, leaving us there, all the more dreading our fate. We didn't have long to wait, though. Soon, they came for us, too. They, they brought us out, or we tried to escape, but they threw us on the ground and dragged us into the courtroom. As we came in, we could hear the crowd screaming, Away with this man! Away with this man! What kind of a terrible person could this be? As we came into view, we looked up at the balcony, and there we could see two men standing in chains. One was our leader, Jesus, who is called Son of the Father. As our eyes focused on the scene, I, could, I realized that I recognized the second man, too, he was also Jesus, but the Jesus of Nazareth. The two men, Jesus of Nazareth, and our leader, Jesus, son of the Father. Both leaders, but oh, so different. The Jesus of Nazareth had such a peace on his face, just as they remembered him. Even though his back was lacerated by the flogging, even though he was wearing a crown of thorns, he looked all the more like a king. I knew in an instant he'd been condemned only because of the jealousy of the priests and rabbis. Jesus, son of the Father, our leader, stood next to him there like a coward, raging at the mob and straining at his chains, trying to break free. Listen. A hush fell over the mob. Pilate was speaking. Which of these two men would you like me to release to you? The response came back from the mob. Release to us, Jesus, Son of the Father. Pilate looked bewildered. What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? The mob was frantic. Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify Jesus of Nazareth! Why? asked Pilate. What evil has he done? The mob wouldn't relent. As we looked up, we could see them there taking the chains off the hands of our leader, Jesus, Son of the Father. We saw him running out with a defiant look on his face. As the doors closed, the guard dragged us out. Then the guards came with two crosses, throwing them on each on my back and the back of my friend. We were expected to carry our own cross to the place of our execution. And as we made our way, cursing and swearing and carrying these crosses, we looked up in front of us. And there, instead of seeing Jesus, Son of the Father, we saw the gentle Jesus of Nazareth. It seemed so strange. Instead of cursing, not a word came from his mouth so unlike our leader. It was so shocking to see him there, his back lacerated, struggling, 
not uttering a word. He was so weak, he couldn't carry the cross. He fell down under the weight of it, and the guard grabbed a man from the crowd to carry his cross for him. Now when we got up there to Golgotha, don't think that I gave up without a struggle. Those guards had to sit on me and nailed my hand to that cross. As they raised the crosses in the air, we turned the air blue with our cursing. But then we saw them raise up Jesus, uttering not a word, as they rammed that cross in its place. We could hear the groan of agony, but then from his lips the words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. What kind of a man was this anyway? Here they are killing him and he's praying for them. We hear the crowd jeering, hey, if you're the Christ, save yourself. And I'll admit we chimed in too. After all, what did we have to lose? We watched as the soldiers nailed the sign over Jesus' head. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. We watched as the soldiers divided his clothes there. We watched as they played a game for their last piece of clothing. Think of it. While men are hanging here, dying on the cross, and the soldiers are playing a game for a piece of clothes. I couldn't stop thinking about him. This man prays for those who are killing him. Even Pilate had said, I find no fault in him. And I hear the people walking by the scribes and the Pharisees, yes, and even Malachi, cursing him, railing at him. But then there are others, those who are healed by him, talking of his marvelous works, and crying and praying. And in this moment, things are starting to make sense in my mind, in a way that they never have before. I see what a wicked life I have lived. And this man has done nothing wrong. Could it be that this man is, indeed, the Son of God? I hear my friend mocking Jesus. Hey, if you're the Messiah, save yourself and save us too. And I can't stand it any longer. Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we, indeed, justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. I'm hanging here gasping for breath and thinking over my life. Yes, I'm thinking about the cause that I've lived for. The cause of our nation. Yes, it was a cause worth living for. But I followed my own way. I got caught up in the fun life. I followed Jesus, Son of the Father. And now I'm dying, not for any cause at all, but just for my own wicked deeds. And here next to me is a man who's dying for nothing that he's done himself. I think of everything I know about this man. And I can feel the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart. His kindness, his love, his peace-loving character, that, that pacifism that had so rankled my feelings earlier in my life. And I think of the kingdom of heaven that he had spoken so much of. I thought it was foolishness then, but now I long for so much more. This life is done. It'll only be a few hours, and my remains will be rotting in a grave. Already, I can see the vultures circling over our heads. 
but another life awaits me. A time of judgment, not in this life, but in the life to come. How will I fare then? I've lived my life as if this is the only one to live for. But here next to me is one who lived his life as though he's living for another life, as though he's living for someone else. He lived as though this life was nothing in comparison to the life hereafter. And suddenly I can hear Jesus' words echoing back into my mind. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And here I was, hanging on a cross, dying for my own wickedness. And next to me was dying a man who, even as Pilate had said, had done nothing wrong. Now it's all making sense. Jesus of Nazareth, the one hanging here next to me, he is the Messiah. His kingdom is not of this world. It's not to release us from the Romans, but from a power so much greater, so much more pervasive than the power of the Roman army, the power of sin. Oh, if only I hadn't listened to my priest. If only, if only I hadn't let my own pride get in the way of what Jesus was trying to teach me so long ago. But despite all my wrong choices, despite being led astray, God has given me another chance. For me, it was almost too late. But thank God, thank God, for him it was not too late. Right here, right on time, right on the cross next to me, is the one who can save my life. Yes. Crying out to Jesus, I say, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Almost instantly, I hear the reply. Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Oh, my friends, I can't tell you the peace and the joy that swept over my soul as I heard those words. He didn't have to do it. I had rejected him. He could have spit in my face, and it would have been fair. He had every right to reject me. But he not only spoke to me, he gave me a promise. He gave me hope. He took my sin, and he changed my life. He gave me more than I ever dared ask for. He gave me a relationship with himself and a promise to continue that relationship for all eternity in paradise. The Jesus I had followed for all my life, what a shallow life he'd offered me. 
money and pleasure, a cause for this world. Yes, but in the end, it had brought me to this shameful cross. But he is no longer my Jesus. No, the Son of the Father, he may walk free for a few more days. But I'll gladly die today under the banner of my new leader, my new Jesus, the one who is dying here beside me, the one who is dying here for me. Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, my Lord, my Savior, and my King. Jesus, not the Son of the earthly Father, but Jesus, the Son of the heavenly Father. And though I die today, I know, because he promised, I know assuredly that I will be with him, and he will be with me in paradise. My friends, I ask you, what about you? What Jesus have you been following? Have you followed the saviors of this world? Have you lived for social causes? Have you lived for money, for relationships, for family, for careers? These aren't bad things, my friends. But when you come to the place where I am, when you stand on the brink of eternity, what will all these things matter? My friends, there is only one Jesus who really matters to me now. I have been known as the thief on the cross. But my friends, I'm no longer identified as a thief. And I would rather you call me the man on the cross whom Jesus saved. He is the one and the only one who saved me. He is the one who promised to spend eternity with me. It was almost too late, but he came to me and he found me. And I cling to his promise. What about you, my friends? Will you accept him before it's too late? Our loving Father in heaven, Lord, how can we thank you enough for sending your son Jesus to show us the way back to you, to pave that road, and not only that, but to give his life for my sin. Lord, the only thing I can do is as the thief on the cross to say, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom and then to claim your assurance and to live our lives on that assurance that we will be with you in paradise. Amen. Amen.